Welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. About a year ago, I got an email from a Canadian author who said, I've just written my first book, and I promise you I'm really a nice guy, and I'm not going to say anything bad, but would you please put me on your show? And he was so funny and so, I don't know, it just touched me that I said, sure, come on, why not? And we had a great time on the radio. Now my my new Canadian friend is back, and here's what he has to say about his life. He says his parents indulged him far too much in his love of comic books, crime TV, and pulp novels, and this is how he decided to repay them. He decided to write a crime fiction book. He's worked in education, journalism, marketing, and politics, which we're going to talk about too, and earned a master's in criminology from the University of the Fraser Valley. He was born in St. John's, Newfoundland, and has called several places home. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the Authors on the Air studio, Seamus Heffernan. Hi, Seamus. How are you? Hello, Pam. I'm great, and it's great to be back. Thank you for having me. I love having you on this show. You're always so much fun. You are not so serious that you won't kind of do a self-deprecating laugh, which I appreciate because I do that too. Um, What's happening with you? Oh, gosh. Uh, Well, quite a bit since uh, since you and I last spoke. Uh, Tell me. uh, The new book came out uh, last week, and everybody seems happy. We're having a big... Uh, a, a launch event here in Abbotsford at the Carrigan Art Gallery on Thursday evening, which uh, we're looking forward to. It'll feel very real then, you know, with the reading and the Q&A. Um, and uh, let's see. Oh, it's an election year in Canada. In my day job, I work for a member of parliament, so I'm helping him uh, with his uh, re-election campaign. Uh, I'm going to run as well. I'm in the process of securing the nomination to run to be the member of parliament of Abbotsford, which is going to be an interesting wow. uh Interesting, and by that I mean quite a tough race, but we can talk a bit more about that. Uh, I started teaching at the university uh, part-time as a sexual instructor in criminology, uh, and as well, um, I'm going to be a father. (gasps) Seamus, you didn't tell me. Congratulations. What a wonderful thing. So you birthed two. Yeah, they didn't put that in the press release. You're birthing two new things. First, ten grand, the new book, and yeah. and soon a child. What a wonderful thing for you. Congratulations, well, sure, my, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate that. Although, to be fair, it is my partner, uh, Chelsea Laird, who's doing the actual birthing of the child. But, uh, well, <laughs> but you know, you had some involvement, Seamus. I'm sorry to tell you, but it's true. Yeah. No. No, no, I, uh, I am... Uh, I'm excited and uh, terrified, uh, usually in equal measure. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, I never, uh, I never really thought. Of, uh, I, I mean, I used to be a teacher and I was a youth worker and I coached for years. Uh, you know, I had been in serious relationships before and some very long-term ones, and it just, it just never happened. It never seemed like something that I was, uh, I was keen on. And I don't know. It just seemed like the time the time felt right. Seamus, uh, do I need course, do I need to yeah. do you a private call with you and explain to you how this happened? 
<laughs> no, no, that'll be fine. That'll be fine. I was quite good at preventing it from happening in the past. So apparently there's some relaxation standards. Oh, this is so, yeah, wonderful. It's, uh, Congratulations it's, to you. the both thank of you. you. Yeah, it's gonna be uh it's it's gonna be a hell of a year. Oh, it sure is. You know, um I don't want to delve too much into your personal life, obviously, but I do want to talk <laughs> about your author life. And um so last year Napalm Hearts came out and now you're releasing or released last week Ten Grand. I love the title, I love the artwork. Tell me the story. Uh, well, first, thanks. Uh, the title was a little bit of a fluke, uh, but um, we're happy with how it turned out. And i got to give full credit to my publishers, uh, Crooked Cat. Lawrence Patterson did a fantastic job with the, uh, the artwork and the marketing, so a big uh, big thank you to him. Uh, the Absolutely. story for 10 grand, yeah, yeah, I mean, I love being uh, – I, I love the people I get to work with. Being part of a smaller house is great. You know, if I want to talk, <laughs> if I want to talk to my boss – uh, I can get them on Skype within 24 hours. And if you were at a bigger house, you're not going to get that kind of hands-on That's support, true. I don't think. You're right. Yeah. You're uh, absolutely so right. Up, yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's, no, the problem is with the time difference in France, that's where he's located. That means that I have to be up at 6 or 7 a.m. to chat, but it's worth it. You know, we all got to suffer for our hearts. <laughs> so 10 this grand picks up about a year later. This is the Thaddeus Gale book, right? Grail book. This is a Thaddeus yeah, yeah, Grail yeah. book. Okay. Yeah, Mr. Grail so is back listeners. again. Well, uh, Ten Grand picks up about a year after the end of Napalm Hearts. And at the end of uh, that book, uh, he made some decisions about uh, the kind of work he wanted to continue to do. So we pick up with this story. You know, he's uh, quietly happy, you know, focusing mainly on insurance investigations and corporate background checks. And a, a new colleague comes into his life and presents him with the opportunity for a case that just might have too big of a payday to refuse. Uh, essentially, what happens is a wealthy uh, wealthy banker in uh, of the London elite has gone completely missing, uh, and nobody, the family, the police can find him. And there's great concern that because of his intelligence and resources, that he may simply want to have disappeared. As the story progresses, we realize there are several motivations. Uh, for his uh, for his disappearance, and uh, Mr. Grail is uh, on the race against time to try to save a guy who might not even really want to be saved. You know, Seamus, um, you have this book set in London's underworld. Um, were you in London yourself at any time? Oh yeah, yeah, I lived. Uh, uh, I, I lived in London for five years. Uh, I was in uh, North London, Holly Road, Seven Sisters, a uh, big supporter of Arsenal FC. And uh, yeah, it had a huge impact on my life. And when I was deciding to uh, write these books, uh, I knew that I wanted to put it in London. Uh, setting is so hugely important when you're writing uh, fiction. And you really want the uh, the reader to feel you know, that they understand exactly where everything's taking place. And London is the world capital, you know, and it's very easy to visualize and it's very easy to write about in a way that will hook people. Uh, I loved my time there. I absolutely uh, did. I, I can love say, uh, I, yeah, it's <laughs> I great. love London. I, yeah. I can say I didn't, I didn't spend a lot of time myself in the underworld of, uh, of London. Oh, I'm so glad. The occasional seedy pub. Yeah. Yeah. I'm shockingly <laughs> boring and well-behaved. Um, but uh, what, the other thing that, yeah. <laughs> the other thing that I was dead keen on was because as a Canadian living there, 
you always felt a little bit of a sense of the other. And when I was trying to write about protagonist, I wanted to kind of capture that. Uh, and Thaddeus isn't uh, Canadian. He's American. And that was just kind of a fluky thing. I was in Seattle and I was looking around. It reminded me so much of where I grew up on the East coast of Canada. It just kind of fit that he would be from there. And that's, uh, that's it. That's why we have it in London. And that's why Mr. Braille always feels slightly like a, a man slightly out of place. Well, I will tell you that I will be in London for Capital Crime in September, and I look forward to walking in Mr. Grill's footsteps, uh, although I don't want to meet up with any of the people in your book. Uh, it will no. be my... Uh, it'll be my numerous times that I've gone to London and I'm looking forward to it very much. Um, you know, when I was introducing you, I mentioned that your parents had given you a love of books and crime TV and pulp novels and everything else. Um, I, I'm assuming that you were greatly influenced by that, but were there any authors in particular that you aspired to be like? You know, the funny thing is, even though I write crime uh, crime novels, uh, and I do like a lot of crime writers like Raymond Chandler, Dashiell Hammett, and Keen Rankin. Of course. Uh, when I, yeah, when I was a kid, my tastes were just all over the place, and they still are. Uh, so, you know, I remember when I started reading, I guess, uh, so-called grown-up books. I was really fascinated by writers like Freddie Finellis and Jane McKinnery, and then I moved on to uh, Douglas Copeland. Um, you know, I was very, you know, basically contemporary fiction was my hook. I was all over it. You know, as a really young kid, I remember distinctly, uh, my father used to bring me to this, uh, this bookstore in downtown St. John's, my parents realized that I was never going to be an athlete, so they had to find another pension plan. So they said, okay, so this will be a lot of books, and hopefully that will pay off someday. Uh, I remember very clearly holding a battered uh, copy of the paperback Jaws by Peter Benchley, and yes. uh, I think it was like 10. And I, I, I just devoured the book, which is the worst unintentional pun I could have made in this situation. But I loved it. I couldn't put it down. And um, and I was just hooked immediately, and that kind of led to falling in love with Stephen King and that kind of stuff. So this is a very long and drawn-out answer to your question, which is, yeah, I like a lot of different writers. Uh, I can't say that there was one that I ever really wanted to aspire to be. I just wanted to soak up as many of them as I could. So you've written your second book now in the Thaddeus series. Will there be a third? Uh, my publisher wants a third. And I'd love to get cracking on with it. But as I mentioned at the top of the show, you've got a few things going on right now. Yeah, you do. That are making some serious demands on time. Uh, as I said to my publisher, I said, well, you know, in October, you know, we could uh, win re-election. I could be a member of parliament and we might have to put the writing thing on hold. Or I could lose the election. We could be thrown out of government. And uh, I'll end up working at Tim Hortons. But uh, either way, it's a hell of a rise. And if that happens, I'll have plenty of time to write another book. Uh, well, oh, I, I do think that we, uh, yeah, I do think well, that we are going to reform of, government. But well, speaking of, you know, <laughs> do you feel like writing is inside of you? You have to write because uh, you know I've done a lot of interviews with writers, and and they tell me that it's not a matter of of uh, writing because they have to put out a book, but it's a, a matter of necessity. They have to write. Is that the way you feel? I, 
No, it's not. And I love to write. Um, I obviously you can't, you know, you can't crank out two books in a year if you don't enjoy the process. Right. Um, you know, and I miss and I miss it when I don't. But I also have a lot of other interests and passions. Um, I've never. I mean, I know what you're talking about when you speak to other people who are writers and they're, they're right. driven constantly. Uh, right. For me, uh, writing is a uh, is a discipline. It requires structure. It requires dedication. And I, that part I'm quite good at. So if I put my mind to it, like, yes, I'm writing this, whether it's a short story or a book, it's going to happen. Well, is it a joy to you to write? Oh, yeah, when you're in the middle of it, you know, mm-hmm. when things are really cooking and, you know, it's all kind of coming together on the page and you get that, you hit that perfect turn of phrase or you get an idea for what the next scene is going to be. You're like, oh, yeah, that's it. That's going to work great. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. It's the best. You know, I mean, you're actually right. you're getting paid to make stuff up, and that's the, I can't imagine. <laughs> like a better thing that's incredible so what's the best and the worst thing about being a writer um well i say that the worst thing is that uh, people assume that there's a lot of money in it (laughs) and there is not there is i want to make this painfully clear all right let's back up though what's the worst thing for you being a writer and what's the best thing for you being a writer? Never mind what people assume. Because, yes, everybody assumes if you publish a book, you're loaded, you're just sitting around, you know, drinking martinis, smoking a cigar, hanging on a little eye, and everything's great. But but we know that's yeah. not true. But, yeah. but you're, you're, in your, you're your, in your real life, right. so in your real life, what's the best and the worst thing about being a writer? Uh, the worst thing is that feeling of desperation and isolation you get when you're stuck. Because you know, wow. no, one, no one can help you. you know, no one can help you. No one's going to come out and hold your hand. You know, and you hit a wall. And I don't personally like the idea of writer's block. I think that you can write through just about anything, even if it's garbage. You just push on, you push on, you push on, right. and it breaks it. But that moment when you're just jammed and you realize, oh, God, how am I going to get out of this or how am I going to build – you know, how am I going to, how am I going to bridge all this together? That right. is a very lonely feeling. Well, let's pull um, on, know, let's no, pull on that no thread a little number bit. Of writers. Okay. So let's pull on that thread a little bit. Um, I have, you know, I've done a lot of author interviews and when I talk about writer's block, I always ask, you know, what, is that real? And how do you overcome it? And uh, I've been told because you know, I'm not a writer, um, that you've taken a wrong turn in your story. Is that true? It definitely can be. Um, I think that I don't. Hmm, I think that if we're talking about it like that, then there's two types of writer's block. There's the type where you're jammed up in your story and you're having trouble with your third act because you made a mistake in your second act. Uh, so you got to go back and figure that out. But, but okay. the other type. Like the total blockage, which fortunately I don't very often experience, but I've heard other people talk about, is just nothing is coming. Um, And whenever I feel like I'm stuck or I'm worried that I might be run out of gas or that blockage might be coming, I just put my head down and I go. I really believe that for me, and again, other people's methods may vary, for me, I just keep writing. Even if it's crap, 
You know, even if, right. it's, if it's not great, right. you know, I so keep right. going, keep going, keep going. You can always rewrite this. You can always delete this. Don't stop. And when you're in that moment, quite often the answers do reveal themselves. You know, I mean, we're always, <laughs> it's a cliche, but we're always the hardest on ourselves for these things. You know, you got to kind of sure trust the moment to provide. Yeah. And so the moment only provides the, if you're doing the work. What is the best thing about being a writer? Oh, that's easy. It's when people come up and tell you that they read your book and they like it. It's amazing. It, it's a hugely rewarding moment. You so, know, and like, Seamus, I mean, like me... people who really mean it, not, not my parents. Or... Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. my, people that love you, know, you my and you're going to stroke your ego. Yeah, yeah people who <laughs> feel like a moral obligation to say nice things about you. No, I mean, like people who, <laughs> who don't know maybe you. not know you from Adam. Right, yeah. right. So, the best thing is someone tells you your book is great. So here's my question. Why do you write? It's a hard job. It's not yep. a necessarily rewarding occupation. It's not easy. It's solitary until you get to the, like, the publishing aspect of it. What's, what, why do you write? I write because I don't think there's anything more human than our desire, you know, and I'll strike that, our need to share stories. I think that we're just hardwired to share stories. If you go to a party you, or you're at the water cooler at work, people are always swapping, oh, what you do the weekend, you know, or, or what you get up to at that party or did you hear this music, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's something that's in us that we need to tell stories. And I think that for me, the ability to craft a story that people read and they enjoy, I, you know, you're just making something up out of thin air. And it's immensely rewarding. I think that storytelling, whatever it is, is a hugely, hugely human thing. And I'm so, so lucky to have the opportunity to participate in the way that I do. Well, you know, I'm a reader, not a writer. And my celebrities are always creative people, particularly writers. So um, what's in it for you? I'm sorry? What's in it for you? What do you get from writing? Well, I think that the uh, there's an immense satisfaction of creating something from scratch and seeing it through to the end. I think that, um, you know, when you put in the hours and the rewrites and the outlines and then you toss out your outline because it didn't go the way you wanted it to and, you know, you, you put up with all the crap that goes with it, at the end of the day right. – you know, there's 50,000, 60,000 words sitting in front of you, and you've made something from nothing. And, you know, the people are going to read it. And, you know, not everyone's going to like it. That's okay. Uh, but you made something, you threw it out in the world. That's deeply rewarding. You know, I think you're right. If you're a creative person and you can offer part of yourself to the world, there's a lot to be said for that because it's a very brave thing to do. Is it not? Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, not not brave like flying combat. Oh missions, no, it's, but brave it's but it's that. brave. Yeah, opening yourself yeah. up, right? Yeah, and um, just a moment ago, I said that the best thing about this is when you bump into somebody or someone comes to a reading and says, "Oh, I read your book. I loved it." 
Well, I think that if you listen to people tell you how great you are, then you have a moral obligation to have to put up with it when people tell you that you're garbage, that you're no good. Uh, and that's hard. That's very hard. And anytime that you create anything, whether it's a book, any kind of artistic endeavor, you throw it out in the world. You know, there's people who are going to like it, and there's people who's not. And that's terrifying for a lot of people. It's terrifying for me on a certain level, but I still do it. And you know why? Because, you know, that guy paid his money. He gets to say just as much as, you know, the people who really like this. So let's talk about reviews. Do you read them? Um, I'd be lying if I said I didn't keep an eye on my Amazon page. Uh, I okay. try not to get uh, I try not to get too up or too down. The reviews for the first book were were pretty good. You know, people people liked they it. They were awesome, uh, and it was a great book. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, you know, but you have to be careful about that too. You don't want to get a big head. And uh, with this one now, of course, the second one because the first one did okay. You know, <laughs> there's the extra pressure of oh, I hope I hope I don't blow this. So the book's out there, and their first feedback isn't positive, but we'll see. So, Seamus, here, here's the question. Um, are you nervous when you release a book? Are you nervous about what the reaction will be, what reader feedback will be, what colleague feedback will be, what friend feedback will be? No, I'm not nervous. I mean, what will be will be. Um, you know, I'm more relieved than anything. I'm like, oh, thank God. Like, <laughs> I actually saw it through to the end. Thank God. Uh-huh. Um, okay. I, 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 don't get, I don't get nervous. And, um, you know, like I said, people absolutely, you know, if they, uh, if they drop a few bucks on Amazon or at a bookshop and pick up something I created, they've got every right to say whatever they want to say about it. So, no, I don't, uh, I don't lose sleep over Interesting. That. And, oh, uh, you're, yeah. you, and if anybody, you've got a and, thick skin, my friend. You've got a thick skin to be able well, to I say do work that. Well, I work in politics, so, yeah. Oh, oh, there you go. There you go. Let's take a side, like a little bit of a side tour. You're running for the parliament in in Canada or in your yep. city, in, no, in the country, It'll be, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Canada has uh, a parliamentary uh, system of government similar to the, uh, the UK model. Uh, so members of parliament are elected in regions and sent to uh, Ottawa to represent their constituents. Uh, I work for a member of parliament now. I worked on a campaign uh, four years ago, and uh, I was fortunate enough to be part of a team that got them elected. That's how I ended up working here in his office with the staff and doing these, these communications and stuff. Um, and, you know, they... Uh, the opportunity came up, and it was too good to say uh, no to. Now, Will I don't you know be if I'm going to win, but I certainly know Will you be no, running no, against no. Oh, okay, okay. Um, no. no. You are so much more civilized than the United States when you guys run. And maybe it's because, I don't know, you're, you're, you're I don't know, your proselytizing is so much shorter. You know, the period of time is so much shorter. But you also are yeah, exceptionally yeah. polite to each other. You're not beating each other over the head with a club, and I appreciate that. What should voters in Canada know about you? Because other than the United States, Canada is our second largest readership and listenership. What should they know about mm-hmm. you? Well, I'm running uh, under the banner of the Liberal Party. I personally consider myself to be uh, progressive. 
I actually used to be very conservative. I was a bit of a libertarian. Uh, I had a big crisis of faith with that ideology uh, when I worked in London during the uh, 2008 financial crisis. And I realized that markets probably don't have the solution to everything. Uh, so if people in uh, in the States are wondering, uh, I would say that the liberals are generally seen as being slightly left of uh, center. Uh, the conservative party here, of course, would be slightly to the right of center. They're going to be our main opponents. Uh, if you're an Abbotsford listening, you know, I think that a couple of things that are uh, hugely important to us going forward are, you know, continue to increase infrastructure support for growing city and uh, the crime issues, particularly as regards uh, gang violence and power. It's amazing to me that you mentioned the crime problem because I don't picture Canada with a crime problem the same way as the United States does because you have so many more restrictions on everything. Uh, Every Canadian I've ever spoken to has been joyous, lovely, and wonderful. I've visited your beautiful country. So I'm surprised that you say that. Um, What is it that your number one platform is? Um, For myself, if I was elected, uh, the city I live in, and by the way, I I love Abbotsford. I I, I moved. I know you do. And yeah, and it's given me, you know, it's given me uh, an education, a career, you know, great friends, uh, a family now. I mean, so I'd be yeah. proud to represent this town. Uh, but so I really, wonderful. I, just, yeah, I I think that a huge issue going forward for the people of Abbotsford. Uh, we're going to be looking at housing. And again, I'm going to come back to infrastructure. I really think infrastructure support is necessary. The city is growing like very, very quickly. So those just off the top of my head, those would be two things that I know from people I've been talking to are greatly concerned. Interesting now, because infrastructure, I think, probably affects every country in the world. Don't oh, you think? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Absolutely. Before I let you go, please tell me where we can find you, not only on your author works, but on your political works. Um, well, if uh, you can check out my author website for stuff about the book, and that's the easiest way to get uh, copies of Nathan Hearts for 10 grand, or you can go online at uh, Amazon. Uh, my website is SeamusHefferman.com. Uh, as for the uh, um, as for the political stuff, I don't do uh, a lot on social about my day job, although that's changing. But if you're listening to this and you want to add me on Facebook or Instagram, there's going to be lots more about the election coming up. So you can find me pretty easily if you uh, if you look up Seamus Heffernan. Uh, my handle on Instagram and Twitter is at SG Heffernan. And if you're looking for me on Facebook, it's just my name. Seamus, I have to wish you congratulations again on your upcoming birth of your child. I will, I don't know, can I support your, I don't know, political aspirations on on the the web anyplace? I don't know if if we are allowed to have cross-border support, so it can't be financial. I'll simply ask that I can have your unwavering emotional support. I'll post everywhere. And for those of you listening, Seamus Heffernan is one of the nicest, kindest people I've ever met. I hope that you will go and check out his book. And if you live in Canada, I hope that you will vote for him. Seamus, will you come back when your next book comes out and when you win your parliamentary place? 
Well, uh, I don't know if I'm going to win. I don't know when the next book is coming out, but I'd be happy to talk to you anytime, Pam. Thank you. I'll tell you what. How How about I do this? Will you come back and guest host a show with one of your Canadian writer friends? Oh yeah, that'd be amazing. I've got like uh, one of the great things about yeah, uh, I've been so fortunate uh, since the book came out. You know, becoming uh, getting to know a lot of the local writers in BC. I'll tell you, we got some interesting folks out here. Uh, My buddy AJ Devlin uh, just won the Arthur Ellis Award for his book Cobra Clutch. He'd be great to do a show with. How about you and I set that up? No problem. I'd love it. All right. Folks, this is my friend Seamus Heffernan. The book is called Ten Grand. Go on Amazon to find it. Seamus, thank you for being here with me today. Oh, my and pleasure. Thank you for having me. And congratulations for your new baby. And I'm oh, pushing you. for you for your for your election in Parliament, okay? I'll I'll keep you posted. Thank you, Seamus. And thank you, listeners. And, of course, thank you, Mom and Dad. Have a great night.